depression is ultimately spiritual because the answer is to be found in Christ. Now, the Christian life is expressed in this you know, abundance of joy. If we start feeling anything less, we think we're abnormal. Good afternoon. My name is Leah Dixon, and I'm here with Pastor Bob Gaglione for Fridays with Pastor Bob. When you walk through the hills, are you prone to forget God? You know, when it, God prospers, are you going to remember Him? And then when you're in the valley, are you going to cling to Him? A weekly segment where Bob Gaglione answers your questions about current events, relevant topics, and tough issues. I'd like to dig right into a topic that's somewhat overlooked in today's church culture. It's one that's almost the elephant in the room in many Christian lives, and that is anxiety and depression. In your recent sermon, you devoted the entire day to depression, and you said that depression is spiritual. What did you mean by that? Well, Leah, I knew that phrase would be controversial, so I said it and then I explained it. Uh, We have a tendency in our Christian faith to separate our walk with Christ, and then when problems arise, to run the secular solutions. And I was just articulating something I read from Ed Welch, who has written a lot on depression, that depression is ultimately spiritual because the answer is to be found in Christ. Now, we'll talk later about doctors and counselors, but if I were diagnosed with cancer, to me that would be a spiritual problem because God would have to be my solution. If I lost my job, I would cry out to God. So Ultimately, the battle lies in Christ, and the beautiful thing is all through the scriptures, we see the God who wants to get elbow deep in our troubles with us. Uh, we have the wonderful book of Psalms, the book of Job. Second um, Corinthians chapter 1 says, blessed be the God of our Father, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. So God is there to comfort the downcast. Now, Pastor Bob, you can speak with some authority on this topic because you recently walked through a season of depression and anxiety. Would you mind talking to us about that? What was interesting about that season, Leah, is I was the guy it could never happen to. Um, I never felt depressed in my spirit or in my nature. My physical body shut down and... uh, I came to realize that anxiety, a form of anxiety, is depression. They're almost like twins. And, uh, yeah, I walked through four months of a situation that affected me physically, mentally, socially, spiritually, that, again, I never thought would happen to me. But, again, when I read 2 Corinthians, that the God of comfort comforts us so we can comfort others who go through like situations. Can you talk a little bit about what your day-to-day life was like in that season, some of the thought processes that you had? Well, I just couldn't understand what was going on in my body. Uh, I'm not a naturally fearful person. I'm someone who takes risks and probably burns the candles at both ends. So that kind of led to a meltdown in my life. There were probably six or seven spokes. As a pastor, John MacArthur said, you rarely ever have two great days in a row because You might have a day where the altar's filled and people are getting saved and delivered, and then you get a call on Monday that someone has cancer or a child has leukemia. So uh, no one was ever meant to carry those burdens. So when the burdens get very heavy, if you're not casting your cares on the Lord, uh, you can start to internalize them, which I did. And, you know, I think I, I was in an extreme case where it had gone unchecked. So I think my daily day was survival. 
opening the Bible to Psalm 23, reading the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He did make me lie down in green pastures. It was God's only way to tell me I had to slow down. I think I was out far in the spectrum of where the average person might be today, uh, but nonetheless have a greater understanding of what it means. Some people would say that Christians are supposed to be happy. Christians yeah. are supposed to be full of joy at all times. Yeah, so when I share my situation, maybe even a listener's saying, well, it's a sign of weakness. Uh, I would have said that. Again, I was the guy it could never happen to. And you're right. Uh, the Bible's replete with verses like John saying, these things I've written that you might know Christ, and your joy might be full. The whole Philippian letter is about joy, the Beatitudes, happy is the person who does this and that. So you're right. Even Jesus said, he who thirsts, let him come unto me. Um, the waters I will give you will come out of your very being, and you know, there'll, there'll be waters of refreshing joy. So I think we look at these scriptures, and, 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 and the first thing the person does when they begin to experience anxiety or depression is they isolate themselves. And it's actually the worst thing you can do to remove yourself from a loving community and people that are filled with grace and can help you is is a tragic consequence. But I know why people do it now because they think, okay, all these people are joyful. Therefore, there's either something wrong with God or something wrong with me. It's working for everyone else. So, so there's something I'm not doing. And then the other thing we try is we try harder. I'll pray more, read more. Sometimes people give us that counsel. Well, you should be fasting. You should be praying. You should read this book or that book. Um, so I, I feel like because the Christian life is expressed in this you know, abundance of joy, if we start feeling anything less, we think we're abnormal. In your recent sermon, you walked us through a four-step process that's really meant for people who are in the trenches, who just need to, like you said, survive the day-to-day and walk through that season. Can you help the listeners today? Yeah, Leah, this is a tool that came from a counselor that I was seeing. comes right out of Psalm 139. It's not nasal-gazing. It's not looking back into your heart or your memories. Psalm 139 is a beautiful psalm of David where he says, O Lord, verse 1, you have searched me and you know me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You comprehend my path and my lying down, and you're acquainted with all my ways. For there's not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before, and you laid your hand upon me. And David said, Such knowledge is too wonderful to me. So the psalm begins by David expressing that there's one person in the entire universe who understands him. And I know you think this way and I think this way. No one understands me. You know, my wife knows a lot about me. She knows my proclivities, my my failings, but no one knows me deep at the core of who I am. But David did. David forged a relationship with God where he said, the Lord knows me. If I go to heaven, he's there. If I go to hell, he's there. I can't even run away from God. He's omniscient. Um, he's he's all powerful. And David said, it just blows my mind. And it's too wonderful for me. So the tool comes out of the last two verses of Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. Know my anxious thoughts. And see if there is any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. 
So that first step, search me and know my heart. What are some practical ways that people can pray or meditate and really do that? Well, I think you're being deep with, I think you're being honest with God saying, God, search the deepest part of me. Yeah, obviously we, we, we think we know ourselves, but this first step is a way of slowing down, getting in a quiet room with a Bible and maybe a cup of coffee and slowing down. And how I started this exercise is I would just write down phrases, one word phrases that would come to my mind, tension, guilt, shame, anger, anger is a part of depression. And just letting the quietness of my heart, let these thoughts distill and just writing them on paper. Um, you can't do this before a a 30 minute commute. You can't wedge this into your life. This process is a way of slowing down and saying, God, I'm crying out to you because you are the only one that knows me. You made me, you know, the way I'm wired. And so this is my practice. I would begin to write these words down. So after you've kind of come to that point, you've got a list of things, you have things, maybe the Holy Spirit brought to your mind that are going on within you. That second step is test me and know my thoughts. What does that really mean? Know my thoughts. Yeah. Second uh, Corinthians 10 five says that we're supposed to take every thought captive, that, that there are arguments out there. There, there. There's a fortress sometimes in our mind. It's in a secular world. Where lies have been told so much, they're institutionalized. And so there's an enemy out there. You know, the fiery darts of the enemy come, and you know the enemy. He lies to us. We only see Satan speak three times in Scripture, and every time he's either lying to God about us or lying to us about God. So many of us are defeated. We think God doesn't love us. He doesn't care about us. We're not pretty enough, healthy enough. Um, We don't serve him well. We have to sit down and say, oh, God, okay, let me test these thoughts against your word. I have these anxious thoughts. I don't know why I have them. We don't know where fiery darts come from. They come from the evil one, but sometimes they come after a mountaintop experience. Sometimes we've just had a wonderful day with a spouse, and now these lying thoughts come. This is a way of saying, God, I know I have these thoughts, and then seeing if they line up with Scripture. Um, Again, if someone doesn't believe this is biblical, the scripture says we need to cast our thoughts on him because he cares for us. How can I cast thoughts I don't even know I have? So again, the tool is a way to slow down, to get before God, and then to begin to see if these thoughts line up with a biblical framework and worldview that that we're called to have. So you just touched on that third step, that giving or casting of your emotions and thoughts on God. And what I would say from that is that's really mental training. Yeah. Would you say that? Yeah, there's good habits and there's bad habits. Um, we're really good at bad habits, such as pity parties, um, meditating on bad thoughts, rehearsed tragedies. Um, sometimes people in their mind rehearse the worst case scenario. They picture themselves standing over someone they love's grave, thinking that one day that'll help them when it really happens. Um All research tells us that's really not good for us. The Bible says think on those things that are above, things that are joyful, peace. Is that wishful thinking? No. That is, is look, Jesus said you can't add anything to your life by worrying. You can't add to your stature. You can't change the color of your hair. Worry 
will destroy us. Uh, people are sick. They're depressed because we worry about things. Many of them, it'll never happen. So I think what the Bible says, constructively, we should meditate on good things because God is a good God. doesn't mean that suffering is not going to come our way. It means we th- we believe the best of God until until one of those things happens and then we deal with it. Now, as we look at those thoughts, there is this idea that sin might be a part of our depression. Can I even say that? Yeah, the problem is people jump right to it. Uh, if you're depressed, you must be in some horrendous sin. I think it's a question that has to be asked. David hid his sin for a year, and he said it was like rottenness in his bones. But I think we have to go deeper than that. Uh, We all have a temperament. Some people naturally see the glass half full, some half empty. I think before your conversion, that's the way you were wired by God. Certainly when you become a Christian, you should become more joyful, more positive. I talked to a counselor one time, says that people that are chronically depressed, he's trying to make them the most joyfully depressed person they can be. And so temperament plays a part in this. Um, I I think uh, physicality plays a part in it. You know, I think people that exercise feel better. Endorphins start flowing. Runners and swimmers, I think, um, just have a better outlook on life because we are spirit, soul, and body, and it's all intertwined. Um, The devil obviously plays a part in this, the the lies of the enemy we just talked about. Uh, Sometimes in America, we have unrealistic expectations on where life should take us, that we should all be healthy, wealthy, and wise, and uh, things don't work out. But to just say blatantly that sin is the cause is an error, and I think it's malpractice as Christian leaders to say that. However, this is part of the step. God, see if there's any offensive way in me. Because the heart is but desperately wicked. Sometimes we're blind to our own devices. I talked to a gentleman who's been a strong Christian for 20 years. I've known him. Uh, my children look up to him. He, he shared with me how he went through eight years of depression. And in the eighth year, God revealed that he was walking in resentment towards someone. When he cleared that up, depression lifted from him like a veil. So sometimes like David and this gentleman There is something deep within us that God wants to wrench out of us that will lift depression, but it is not always the cause. And I think too many times God's people have been told that some of the critical questions you can ask in this step is, God, is there anything that I'm doing right now that is hurting you or others? That's just an honest question before God. Maybe it's yes, maybe it's no. Another question is, God, is there anything I'm doing Um, that's harming myself. You know, am I eating too much? Am I watching too much television? Am I watching R-rated movies? You know, uh, across the spectrum, is there anything I'm doing that is harming the way that I would look at God and others and my worldview? And, um, you know, I think that's what the psalmist is driving at here. So if someone goes through all four steps, kind of that final promise is lead me in the way everlasting. What are some practices you could put into your life to continue on a healthy path? When I read that phrase, lead me into the way everlasting, until I went through my situation, I never read it the way I read it now, where I think the psalmist is saying, you know, God, there was a day where we started on a path together and a lot's happened in that time. 
And I think sometimes as Christians, we just don't need to get back and understand that there was a day where we accepted Christ and the grass was greener and the sky was bluer and God was the gospel. You know, it was all about Jesus and his forgiveness and his love for us. Sometimes we have to come back to grace. Grace is what changed everything in our lives. And it's as easy as coming back and saying, God, put me back on the grace path and lead me into the way everlasting. We're going to go through seasons of life. We're going to go through the spring of our time walking with God where everything's new. We're going to go through a summer experience where, where, wow, I look around and everything's blossoming and everything's in bloom. We're going to have those melancholy times of the fall where things are changing, we're empty nest, or we're moving into a new phase of ministry or life, and we don't understand all of it. And then there's the winter of our spiritual expression where things are ending and there's not a lot of fruit on the trees. And we find Paul in that place. You know, Paul told Timothy, bring me the books and the parchments and come before winter. He talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, the thorn in his flesh, uh, Satan used to buffet him. Um, So the apostle went through these things, forsaken by Demas who loved this present world. Job in the land of us. We're all going to walk these roads again. There is a God who longs to walk through it with us. And, you know, we we come back to that scene at Bethany where Lazarus was ill and Jesus didn't come at the time he should have and Lazarus had died and was buried and Jesus looked around and the people were mourning And the shortest verse in the Bible is that Jesus wept. He wept because we would ever go through these things. But in a way, he was saying, I don't like this either. And he understood that we live in a fallen world. And God wanted to alleviate the pain so much that he sent Christ, that he could be our great high priest, that he would be aware of the affections that we have and the physicality of this body and that he can mourn with us and comfort us. So the Bible never skirts the issue of depression and anxiety, but talks about a God who wants to walk through it with us. So Pastor Bob, what you're saying is that these seasons of depression can be expected, they're normal, and that God really wants to sanctify us through them. Now, there's there's some controversy. Many people will say if you're in a season of depression, you shouldn't take medication as a Christian. You should power through it. What would you say to that? Every good counselor I know will tell someone the first step is to go to your medical doctor. We are spirit, soul, and body, and I share that that is very intertwined. Um, sometimes people aren't getting enough rest. They don't have the right nutrition. That's always step number one. If you're not feeling well physically, you're going to struggle spiritually. Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers of all time, struggled with depression, mainly from gout. And many believe there are things we have today in the medical community that could have helped them with that and would alleviate some of that depression. Uh, We live in a time where the medical community has given us a lot. Um, Now, I'm not advising that we go on... Uh, medication for the rest of our lives or mind-altering drugs. What I'm saying is there are advances that have been made in the medical community that can help us through a difficult season, Um, maybe take the edge off of what we're um, trying to live through. I would 
um, great counselors who understand the scriptures that can walk us through this time. I, I think every Christian needs to make a decision on on medication based on the freedom we have in Christ, the boundaries that scripture gives us. But I think at the end of the day, we want to say that God walked us through this. Contrastly, we don't want to suffer when there can be some alleviation of pain. So I think every Christian has to make up their mind in that area. So I would I would guarantee that every listener today is probably either going through this season or they know somebody who's going through this season. Now, what could you say to help people who have a loved one who's in this season of depression? Maybe you could share some of the best advice you received when you were going through that season and some of the worst advice that you received when you were going through that season. Some of the best advice is you want to be around people but you don't want to be around people offering all types of advice. I would get letter after letter. I should eat kale harvested from the Pacific Ocean. I should take this drug or that drug or hang upside down. Yeah, You're in a season where you need people and you need God. Paul was comforted by Titus and Timothy. So you need comfort, but not people that are going to play the Holy Spirit and tell you what you need. Uh, that's great advice. Just be there for someone. Love on them. We need each other. Counseling is something that has benefited me in an amazing way. So, so that was great advice. Um, bad advice would be to go on some of these drugs again that are mood altering because I, I think some of that is just the oil light blinking and just putting oil in the engine. I don't think that's good. Um, again, the advice that it must be sin, or some people are even told it's something in their background or. You know, so wading through all that is difficult. Um, reading, you, you know, I always go back to this. You know, I I started to read about people that went through it and found out most of them pastors went through it at a season I did it 20 years. So that helps you say, hey, this isn't normal. Um, I can't go back to the way I used to do things. So reading has always been a way um, where I've learned and grown and uh found great comfort. Pastor Bob, thanks for your time today. I know that this is a sensitive topic and uh, really personal to you. Do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, final thought I would have is that is that I treated this situation the way I've treated every situation in my life, and that is by standing on the Word of God. The Bible says that we can know the power of the resurrection, and we talk a lot about overcoming and and Jesus overcame the grave, and so can we. But the Bible also talks about the fellowship of his suffering. Jesus was a man acquainted with grief and sorrow. And so I think to be a complete Christian, you're going to walk through hills and valleys. The, the key is, when you walk through the hills, are you prone to forget God? You know, when it, God prospers, are you going to remember him? And then when you're in the valley, are you going to cling to him? God revealed to me through my time that it was only the shadow of death. I wasn't really going to die. It was just a shadow. And it made heaven more real. You know, we live in these frail bodies that are fading away. And one day heaven will be ours and he'll wipe away every tear. So I hope we help somebody today. And um, God is the God of all comfort. Thank you for tuning in with us to Fridays with Pastor Bob. If you have a question or topic that you'd like Pastor Bob to address, or maybe you were just moved by today's program, 
you can email us at radio at ccdelco.com. That's radio at ccdelco.com. Thank you and see you next week. Calvary Chapel of Delaware County is conveniently located at routes 202 and 1 in Chadsford, Pennsylvania, and is accessible to Chester, Delaware, and Newcastle counties. If you enjoyed Pastor Bob's teaching, visit our website at www.ccdelco.com and click on the Journey Through the Word icon. You can also listen to messages on iTunes at Journey Through the Word. Or if you'd like, please feel free to contact us at 610-459-8111.